So hopefully we can rest, sit, and spend some time just with God unpacking his word and what he has for us this morning. I'm going to go ahead and pray. God, um, ah, thanks for this morning. Thanks for a time that we can come and celebrate you, um, celebrate what you're doing in us and through us, um, that we can recalibrate our hearts and our lives um, back to fall in line with what you have called us into. Um, I pray over our conversation this morning, one, that you would be glorified, um, that we would see Jesus um, boldly in front of us this morning, um, and that we would remember what you've called us into um, and be encouraged to walk back into that this week. Thanks for Jesus. Thanks for life, for salvation, for his blood. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, quick uh, icebreaker question real quick. I want volunteers. Favorite TV show? Patty. That's a movie. TV show. I want full series TV show, John. Stranger. I don't think I've ever seen that. What's it about? Scary movie show. Yeah. Suspenseful. Paul, what you got? Mystery Science Theater 3000. Mystery. <laughs> Excellent. All right, two more. Two more. Favorite TV show. Uh, Jason, what you got? MacGyver. Okay. All right. Anything else? Zay, finish us off. The Mandalorian. All right. Recent Star Wars. I like it. All right. I noticed that none of you all referenced any sports shows. So that sets me up horribly for what I'm about to go into. But uh, my favorite TV show is a toss. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate you. My favorite TV show is a toss up between two. One being The Office, um, to my wife's chagrin, uh, because I like to sit on the couch and watch The Office, and she gets really annoyed with the fact that I've watched the same show 12 times. And then second is Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights, not the movie Friday Night Lights, the TV show. So have any of you guys seen that, just wondering? Nobody's seen it. Have any of you guys seen Friday Night Lights, the movie? No. All right, we're trending in a really positive direction right now. So Friday Night Lights, the TV show, is it follows the story of a coach, Eric Taylor, okay? So do you guys know generally like West Texas high school football? West Texas high school football, you guys are good. All right, we're going to keep going. I'm going to explain West Texas high school football. You do. Thank you. Thank you, Blake. West Texas high school football is intense, right? West Texas high school football is intense. 30,000 people stadiums, right? Friday night lights, that's why the show's called that. That's Friday night, the whole town goes out, supports that local football team. They live or die by high school athletics. It's kind of crazy, right? But Friday Night Lights, the TV show, tracks the story of the coach Eric Taylor. Right? And so Eric Taylor starts at a school called Dillon High School in Dillon, Texas. Okay, best school in the state. They're trending towards state championships. Best facilities, best players, everything that you would want as a coach to walk into. Like, I'm going to have success in this place. Right? And then it continues on in his story. He goes to the college level, coaches there for a little while, comes back to Dillon, Texas, and takes over East Dillon High School when the school's redistricted. And East Dillon High School is a mess, right? No facilities, no play. They don't even have uniforms, right? And he takes over this program, and his whole goal is to, you know, it's a good, warm, fuzzy-feeling TV show. They go on and win state, and it's all wonderful, and everybody loves each other, right? But there's something about football specifically, and I know we haven't experienced this, but I think brings us a little bit of an understanding of what we're talking about as we talk about doing life together today. 
I think there's very few things in life that reflect this idea that I understand with, with the people that are around me, there are so many different skill sets, right? You have different positions, you have different players that do different things well. You have different family backgrounds, right? You have everybody coming to this one team coming from so many different things that are going on at home and parental situations and money and no money and all the things that go into it, right? And you know as you come together as a football team that you are about to step out of a locker room into 60 minutes of putting your life on the line for somebody else. Because I know what I do affects what happens to everybody else, right? If I miss a block, that means my running back is going to get laid out in the backfield, right? If I am a quarterback and I throw the ball over the middle and I leave my receiver out to dry, which means I throw it over his head and he jumps for it, he's going to get lit up in the middle of the field and it's my fault, right? So very few things in life, kind of maybe rugby, I guess would probably be another one, but give us this idea of coming together on one unified mission, albeit from so many different vantage points and all having our piece to play in order to have success. So after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, I think I got to keep clicking, sorry. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way, behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves." This first mission that we see from Jesus with his followers is to purposefully go together to make disciples, to go into these cities together as lambs among wolves, to go into war together as in Friday Night Lights they're entering out into together in order to advance the kingdom with one unified mission. So as we come here today and we look at Restoration Clearwater, we think, what does this mean for us to do life together the number one thing we have to understand is that doing life together is not ultimately about us. It has never been about us. It's about the mission that God has called us into together. It's about the city of Clearwater coming to know the truth and the beauty of the gospel together that's being walked out by this little ragtag group of people that's hanging out in a coffee shop, right? That's the mission that we're called into together, and it's purposeful. It has to be. Which gets us into our second point. Number two is that, and now it won't come up, doing life together is purposeful. And maybe it will tell you that on your, oh, there it is. It will tell you that on your screen. Doing life together is purposeful. Okay? It has to be intentional. Unfortunately, in like 21st century modern day evangelicalism, we have destroyed the idea of the word fellowship. What have you guys been told? What is fellowshipping for the vast majority of modern Christians? Huh? No, no. What is, what is fellowship? What have you heard? Eating food. Eating food, right? Hey, you like coffee. I like coffee. Let's go get coffee together and have fellowship time where we actually don't talk about anything important. We're just hanging out together because we have common interests and we like to do it, right? Ultimate Frisbee, Ultimate frisbee which is a wonderful thing, but without purpose, it's kind of pointless. Right? If we're going to talk about the idea of doing life together, it has to be purposeful. So the passage that I gave you guys this week that we were going to dive into in home group is Hebrews 10. Okay? And that's where we're really going to base this time here. Because when we think about the idea of doing life together and purposefulness in it, there has to be something that's driving our reason for doing it. 
it might be that we go hang out in a coffee shop together and that's wonderful, but if we're wasting our time, it's not doing anybody any good, right? So in Hebrews 10, the author of Hebrews challenges these people to meet together, right? And he says, starting in verse 19, he says, man, this thing is slow for some reason. Okay, he says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the reason I I brought us to this passage specifically is yes, Paul says don't neglect, or the author of Hebrews, I'm sorry, says don't neglect to meet together, but what does he place that directly after? What does he remind his readers of before he says, hey, and don't neglect to meet together? He reminds them of the truth of the gospel. He brings them to the truth of what has already been done for them, right? That they've been sprinkled clean by the blood of Christ, right? That they can now boldly approach the throne of their high priest And because of that reality, now don't neglect to meet together. Because your purpose for meeting together is to spurn each other on to love and good works. So as we think about this in the context of our community, when we think about being purposeful and intentional in doing life together, the first thing we have to do is remind each other of the truth of the gospel. It's not enough to just spend time together over coffee. It has to be reminding each other of the truth of the gospel and what that means for us walking that out. And number two, it has to be vulnerable and transparent. I cannot stir you up to love and good works if I have no idea what you're walking through. And the same way, you can't do that to me. If you don't really know me and the ins and outs of what I'm walking through, you can't challenge me to love and good works because you don't know what I need. And for so many of us, we manage so many relationships. And I understand that so many of those relationships are surface level, right? I'm not for the entire world telling everybody all my sin patterns. But we have to have those people in our life that do know those sin patterns, that can spurn us on to love and good works. And those people are these people here. That is what our community is supposed to look like. So as for purposeful in that, there has to be a level of vulnerability which allows us to be challenged and to step through that together. As we're being challenged, this brings me to the third point. Doing life together is messy. It has to be messy. It is not comfortable. So as we truly dive into each other's lives, the byproduct is that it gets messy because we truly know each other. All of you guys, the majority of you guys are in family dynamics right now. Kids, marriage, life, whatever. Is it easy? No. It gets messy, right? Why does it get messy? It's two broken people trying to make life work, right? Why does it get messy with Abby and I? Because she knows my sin deeper than anybody else knows my sin, right? That's on display for her, and that's going to bring tension, 
And as we're looking to do life together, we have to be comfortable in the tension. And we have to be comfortable in the conflict. Because you know what? Like, I, if I'm going to be challenged by you, challenge is ultimately offense to my own sin. I don't like that. Like, I want to be comfortable. I don't want to be challenged. But if you're going to challenge me because you know me, it's going to make me uncomfortable, and I have to sit in that tension. Right? And that's one of the beautiful things about community is because we live in a culture that is so easily offended. So easily offended that we have no idea how to walk through conflict well. So as we look in Acts, and I'm not, I'm, we, I mean, I can read you the passage, but we know the story. I wanted to bring us to Paul and Barnabas, who are going out to go make disciples together. And they come to, I mean, you can read it in Acts 15, but they come to a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other, right? This is Acts 15. You guys don't have to turn there. I know I'm just making the point for you guys here, is that two of the, the apostles that we have in the early church, right, who are sent out, who we see the byproduct of the mission that they were engaged in, we see the, by, the, the reason we're sitting here is because of what these dudes did, they still ran into tension. They still ran into tension with each other. And they have to be comfortable with that tension, not that that tension means that we're just going to continue hunky-dory and everything's wonderful, but that tension means I'm working towards reconciliation and I'm comfortable in the process. Doing life together, doing community together will drive us to that point. But what the world sees from us is not that we're all in agreement. What the world needs to see from us is that we're willing to engage the process together, especially in an overly offended culture that we live in. Right? As, as you look out, as we look at the general landscape of how most people view Christians, they view us by dissension. We have, like, well, how many denominations do we have? 160,000 denominations or just something ridiculous, right? Because we haven't put on display well for the world that we can walk in that tension of disagreement. And that's either being challenged in our sin or it's being challenged in our theology, right? Or it's being challenged in our practice and what we do. And we have to be able to sit in that and be comfortable in the mess that is doing life together. Finally, the last thing I have for you, and then I want to bring us to some tangible points in kind of the halftime talk of going out and doing it. The last thing I have for you guys is that doing life together is walking out family. And I mean that in two different senses. I mean that biblical family, and I also mean that nuclear family, right? Doing life together and doing family together go hand in hand. A biblical prescription for family aligns with a biblical prescription for community, right? As we're walking out missional engagement together, that has to start at home. Then it has to start in our families, with our kids, in our marriages, because that's what's displaying to the world a biblical sense of community, right? And that mission is a family mission together. This points to Christ and his church. So we have to look internally first. Our family is our primary mode of missional engagement. It's our primary mode of missional engagement. And that does not mean that we're all unified in how we engage in mission together, just like a football team, we all have very different pieces to play. Abby and I have very different pieces to play right now, right? Our missional engagement looks very different. For me, you know, baseball world. There's only so much that Abby's entering into that. And I work almost exclusively with men, right? But that's, that's my missional world. And I know that she's backing me in that. And then I come to her and I talk with her about the realities and the challenges of what I'm going through trying to disciple dudes, 
because she's got my back in that. In the same way, Abby's mission right now is nursing school and homeschool moms, right? I know that, and I engage in that with her. I'm not obviously going and hanging with homeschool moms all the time, but I'm praying for her as she's being sent out into that. My kids, their missional engagement right now is Little League Baseball in our neighborhood. Little League Baseball in our neighborhood. That's where they are looking to go make disciples. And it's my job as a father to shepherd them and walk them into that. Little League Baseball is not for Little League Baseball's sake. Never has been. Little League Baseball is to make disciples of people around us. And so as you guys are engaged in so many different spheres, what I want to challenge you guys in is that missional engagement is in every single one of those steps together. And your family is the primary mode by which you carry that out. Missional engagement is the workplace. I think we have this idea that missionary life and pastoral life and vocational ministry life is somehow the model of what ministry is supposed to look like, and it's not. You guys are in ministry everywhere you go every day. Some of you might have the title of minister, some of you not. It doesn't matter. The goal is the same. And the community of faith, not just your family, but also your community and your people here, our job is to prop you up and send you into that. Our job is to come together and then send you out headlong into a broken and dying world to do that well. Family is what we're supposed to be creating here. So as we round it out, I wanted to just give you guys, you know, celebratory things for us to walk into. You know, sometimes when you're playing well in the first half of a football game and you go into the, into the locker room at halftime, some of that conversation is celebrating what you've already done because you know you're doing it well. And so I want to encourage you guys this morning, and there's upteen bajillion examples I can give in this. I just picked a couple as we were walking through of how I've seen this done well in the time that I have been a part of this community. So firstly, let's start with doing life together is missional. Where's all my points? Okay, doing life together is missional. Understanding that our community of faith, our doing life together is meant to send you guys out. Right? I remember a couple months ago with you guys, right, where you came and said, hey, we're going to have this coworker in our home. We're having this person over for dinner, and we're backing you guys in prayer as you go in to make disciples of your coworkers. That's what the community is supposed to look like. We, we've had so many conversations about the conversations you're having with guys at work, right? That's what community is supposed to look like. I'm not engaging with the people John's engaging with. I'm not engaging with Laura's coworkers. I'm propping them up in prayer because they're coming to me and saying, this is what God's called me into. This is where we're going. Now, community of faith, let's lock arms a little bit, and let's go after this thing missionally. Because those are the spaces that God has sent you into. So if we're not looking for those little examples, then we're going to miss them, right? But as we come together, part of the purpose of community groups, part of the purpose of coming together on Sunday and celebrating together is so that we do know what you guys are walking into. We know what missional engagement you guys have. We know what challenges you're walking through so we can go pray and send you headlong into that stuff. So it's coming with those kind of examples and saying, hey, this is maybe going to be uncomfortable. (coughs) We're going to get together. This is maybe not going to be like where I'm overly wired and what I really want to be doing right now. Pray for me as I try to engage in this well. That's our job. That's missional, right? Doing life, actually, the other point I want to bring up in, well, let me, let me go here. Doing life is purposeful, right? The purposefulness, just as I was thinking through our time here, John, I would not be here at this church if it wasn't for you. I don't even know if you remember this. The first time that we came here, Right? Having never been here before, 
that afternoon, I ended up spending the entire day with y'all two, all our families together, right? And I realized in one day, I knew more about your life than I know with most people that I walk through in life with, right? He was very purposeful in engaging me in that conversation and being open. Even being open with sin stuff, and I like barely knew you, right? It's being open with those things and a purposefulness in that that really drew me here because I said, that's what I want. Like, I want people that I'm engaged with, right? And on the same point, I knew your neighbors already. First day, I'm like hanging out with your neighbors out in front of the house, and you're like, hey, I'm trying to make disciples of my neighbors right here. Let's go do it together, right? There was a purposefulness in that that drew us into this community. And so as, as we're maybe beat up and tired, I want to encourage you in that because that's why we're here, like honestly. And so for all of you guys, we all have those little stories. We all have those little things that we're doing purposefully. So I want to encourage you to keep doing that. Wherever we end up in whatever missional engagement we're in, be purposeful in drawing people into it. This is a little bit of a harder one of doing life together is messy. Uh, I mean, we could talk about conflict. I don't think we've had a ton of it. But I think one thing that I came to is one of the beauties of this community is we have so many different parenting approaches, right? And as we look at kind of modern parenting stuff, everybody's got thinks they have the corner on the market, right? We have kids in public school here. We have Christian school kids. We have private school kids. We have homeschoolers. We have all of the above, right? We have some families that watch X movie, some families that don't watch X movie, I'll just let you guys know, my kids tell me that you guys get to do, your kids get to do everything, as I'm sure your kids say the same thing, right? But we all have differing approaches to parenting, and we're all trying to live this thing out together. That can be messy. If we don't engage with that well, it's going to be messy, right? But we get to walk that together and say, hey, maybe, you know, Blake and I, we don't let our kids watch the same movie, but I want your voice in my kid's life. That's doing life together. Right? Even though we might not agree on that. Theologically, Connor and I have had so many theological conversations, there's a lot of stuff Connor and I don't agree on. Right? That's okay. Like It really is okay. And I want Connor's voice in my life because guess what? I don't have the corner on the theological market. I do not have the answers. Connor doesn't have the answers either. Right? He's more wrong than I am. But <laughs> we get to engage in that together. Right? As we look at the landscape of modern evangelicalism, that's breaking people apart and fracturing churches. If we're doing life together, really, we got to be comfortable in that tension and that messiness that we're not going to agree. I still don't think Justin reads the right version of the Bible, but guess what? We're going to get together every Wednesday and it's going to be okay. That's what we need to enter into. That's where the tension and the messiness lies. And then finally, doing life together is family. I don't have a, an example for this one specifically, but I want to encourage you guys to, as we walk out of here today, I hope the halftime speech is driving you to go walk out family well. I hope it's driving you to know your neighbors. I hope it's driving you to let your kids engage with the mission. I hope it's driving you to create that culture in your homes, right? And also spurn each other on to love and good works also inside of your marriage. You guys are tasked with different ministry responsibilities every day. Right? How are you encouraging each other <coughs> Sorry, and spurning each other on to love and good works on a daily basis? Doesn't mean it's not going to be messy. Doesn't mean it's not going to be tentious. But it does have to be purposeful. So I hope this morning that we can walk that out well as we go into this week. Let's pray. God, thanks for your word. Thanks for how you mold us and shape us. Thanks for how you allow us to do life together. You give us the opportunity to engage in this mission that we really don't deserve. 
but you have called us to be ambassadors and to do that together. And you've called us to the city of Clearwater to do that together here. So I pray, God, that you would unify us, you would um, encourage us, that you would uh, humble us, and that you would give us opportunities to continue to walk out doing life together in different seasons and in different ways to ultimately make you famous in Clearwater. Thanks for Jesus. Thanks for life. We pray all this in his name. Amen.